0: All right. Well, I I put on the flyer that it was just started at 11. Obviously, we're starting a little after, which that's no surprise. Um, As far as the Q and A portion, I I thought that it can go as long as it needs to. I I don't see it going like past 12:30 or anything like that. But if it does, it does, and if you need to leave, that's fine. Um, We're all just gonna notice that you do so. No, but I, I really, I don't think that. I think we can talk about some of these things as much as we, as we want to. Really, the, I think that the important thing from this is not to necessarily, even though it is question and answer, like not to answer all of your questions about things, but really I think the whole point of this study has been for us to really not only consider ourselves and how we are and where we fit in this plan of God's uh, plan to unite, but also um, what do our lives look like? What are our perceptions of other people? And so for for, for that, I I really do think that this is an opportunity to think about some things in your own life. Maybe have some conversations with some friends, things like that, Um, as opposed to just everything being worked out in this setting. But but we can answer some questions, and I think we can study some stuff. and be helpful. So let's just go ahead and open it up and just see. Does anybody have any questions that they thought of or things that they wanted to ask? Whether it's something that we've already talked about or even the application of some of the things we've talked about.
1: Go ahead. Um, So Bill brought up, like, Americanized Christianity. Yeah. Um, so I guess the big question for me is how, how we Americanized it, and what do we do to make it not Americanized, and just the way it is before? It is? <laughs> you said it. Sometimes? Yeah, so
2: <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think about uh, in, uh, in in Matthew chapter five, in the Sermon on the Mount, the first thing that Jesus says is, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." And I think oftentimes what happens is that we create this perception that if you're going to be a Christian in the United States of America, it isn't so much blessed are the poor in spirit, but it's almost like blessed are the middle class in spirit. And so, whenever we create this picture and this uh, this idea that like if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to wear, you've got to look this certain way and make this, this certain money, and you've got to own a house, and you've got to have these many kids, and you've got to be married, and you've got to be this, and you've got to be that. I think that's Americanizing. Like, it's Americanizing Christianity. We take the American dream, and we try to fit that American dream through the lens of God, through the lens of Christianity. And we say, no, no, God, but God wants this for us. Uh, and I think whenever we do that, like, we're Americanizing Christianity. So like, and how, how do I not do that? Uh, I look at what does God want from me and from people? Uh, and God wants me to be transparent in my relationship with Him and my relationship with y'all. And, and so I've, I've got to seek to serve Him according to what Scripture says, whether I own a house or not, whether I'm rich or I'm poor, or whether I'm this or, I'm, you know, whether I'm married or I never get married, whether we have kids or we never have kids, whether we own a house or we always live in an apartment, like whatever it is, none of, you know, whether I come to church in a suit and a tie or I come in jeans and a t shirt, that, that doesn't make me any less Christian one way or another than the other person. And I think whenever we we force, again, our Americanized ideals on people, uh, we're Americanizing Christianity.
3: And if you had anything you wanted to add to that. One thing that was presented to me by another man was that we don't use our Christianity as the goal of our life. We say, well, I'm going to go to this church in spite of the fact that I live on the other side of the city, and I'm going to drive too far to work that I don't have time to come home and spend with my kids, rather than say, well, I don't necessarily have to own a house. I can live where I can be with my kids, or I can live near the congregation where I can unify, be unified with these people and fellowship with them. So we don't make decisions based on Christianity, we make them based on Americanism for, the, for
2: what we're talking about. Sure, and, and I don't think it's wrong if you live far from where you worship. I also don't think it's far if you live far from where you work. That's It's a personal decision that you make, but I think whenever you start forcing that upon people and, and judging people based on whether they do or don't do that, uh, then we start to get into some of the problems that we were kind of just discussing. Well,
0: And, and really, I, I think that, I don't know the person and what they meant by saying that, Kelly, but I, I would think that maybe what they're hinting at is um, you maybe you, you do things that you've always done no matter the circumstance, and it's like you're not willing to sit, step back and think, like, what is best, what, what will be best for my family, what will be best for me spiritually, what will be best for whatever. And, and maybe, I mean, let's be honest, there's some decisions that are based on um, how other people will view us, like. I want to go worship with these people because there's a little bit of, like, I don't know, like, credit I get from being with them. And, like, I want to have this specific job. I want to live in this neighborhood because that says something about me. I think if that's what he meant by that, then, yeah, those are the things that, like, we should, I think we should definitely just not really care that much about. Um, But, again, like Bill said, to, to think that it has to fit in a certain mold for, as far as my mold, that's the whole, like, thing. We've got to have one goal, one purpose, and it's got to be mine. Well, that leads to battle, really.
3: And and it, it was in the context of, how can I be a better Christian? How can I be a better father? That mm-hmm. I need to make my decisions yeah. based on these things. Now, we don't ever bind these things. We mm-hmm. have, have freedom of choice and freedom of will. And certainly, you can be a good father and work long hours and, and work yeah. far from home. But you, you have to make sure that you do the things for the congregation, for Christ, or for the family, that... You can make decisions in your life that uh, will help that for me. Yeah. Heather, you raise your hand. A I had a
4: a question. So if it if yours relates to this, then go
5: ahead. Yeah, I just I just had a comment. um so the
6: way Alexander phrased that Americanized Christianity spurred a thought in my head that um, a, a trend, or maybe not a trend, but a pattern that I've seen that disturbs me a lot is. How many Christians equate um, patriotism with morality? Yes. Um, and and not just patriotism in general, which is bad enough, but their definition of patriotism has become a moral issue and that you can't <coughs> actually be at least not as good a Christian as them. Mm-hmm. You might be forgiven. But you're not as quite yeah. at the level of Christianity. Ameri- America's God's country. Right. Right. Um, and I I, won't, I I don't know that I've ever subscribed to that, but I can I can at least understand the appeal, right? You, you're raised, given the Pledge of Allegiance, and you're told that this is the greatest nation on earth, and it's given this moral flavor all through your childhood. That it's a bad thing to hate hate your country, and it's an immoral thing to burn the flag, and all of these things are presented as immoral things. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, unethical or whatever, you know, instigating things, Mm -hmm. but actually immoral, wrong things, right? And I I think it's something that we need to be on guard with ourselves and recognize when that temptation is there to say, oh, well, you're. You're not viewing America Mm -hmm. like I do, or like I think you should. Mm -hmm. So you got to sort that out as part of your Christianity, Mm -hmm. as part of being a good human. Um, I I, I don't know how many people struggle with that, but I see that kind of thing a lot.
2: So, you know, first of all, this is just kind of like a that was a comment, but I'm going to respond to your comment with another comment. Um. Like we we know this, but America is not God's country. Israel is like spiritual Israel. Like that that is God's people. That 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 has always been God's plan uh, for His people. But, but I think what what happens is is that there's there's two sides to this, right? So one side is to to you know think of Christianity from from an, again from this patriotic American point of view. And so if you don't stand up when they're singing the national anthem and hold your hand over your heart you're not being a good Christian. If you're not like, and oh well, no, like you're being American. You're not being a good American. That's one thing, but that's different than whether you're being a good Christian or not. Um, but I think on the, on the flip side, um, there, there can be this attitude and this perception, where, which it, a lot of the New Testament, again, it, it hammers home on this idea that if you are living in whatever country you are living in, you have got to be respectful of the rules and the regulations going on there you've got to live in such a way that respects the leaders. And you've got to live in such a way that respects the authorities, whether you agree with them or not. You know, a, a lot of the, the, those letters that were written in the New Testament were written to uh, Christians who were under the rule of the Romans. Who, like, Nero was the worst. Like, Nero as a ruler, if you just go read some Roman history, was significantly worse than any president this country has ever seen. And will probably ever see. Like, he was a, a wicked man. Um, and in, in First Timothy, Paul tells Timothy and the church at Ephesus to pray for their re- for their leaders. And and in Romans chapter 13, you're told to obey the government. And and, and so th- there's there's kind of this this weird thing where, but but I think the there's weird thing. Sorry, there's this weird thing where I'm not being incredibly patriotic because yeah, I'm American or you're from whatever country you're from. But but like my first identity isn't I'm an American. It's I'm a Christian. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And it's not so much, and and here's the thing, whenever whenever you view yourself as a citizen of the kingdom, it even turns into, it's not so much that I'm just respecting the laws of this this land because I'm American and I love this country, but rather because I'm a Christian, I'm a citizen of the kingdom, I care about the kingdom of heaven so much that I'm going to live in such a way here uh, that doesn't reflect poorly of that place. But I think there's two sides. I mean, there's two sides to that. And so there's the, the some people tend to be way too, way too patriotic. Some people, in an effort to overcorrect, uh, end up being disrespectful, uh, which also is negatively impacts your view as a Christian. And all of it again stems from as a Christian, how are you going to be viewed? If the United States of America is the greatest thing in your life, then you are being viewed as an American first as opposed to a Christian. Uh, but if all you ever do is trash this country or trash whatever rulers or government, by the way, like politically, I am apolitical. I, I legitimately, personally, do not care. Um, but like if you, if you find yourself trashing the president or trashing the president who was before him, or like, if that's how you find yourself living your life, you are also reflecting poorly the kingdom that you're a part of or the country that you're a part of. And that's the country of heaven. So we've got to keep that in mind uh, as we deal through some of that. I think uh, Heather had something then.
4: Again, that reminds me a, a question
5: that's not on topic. Is so. it a question on topic? or? Yes. Oh, then, sorry. That's well, I mean, you, you kind of just said it, but I, before I was going to say my question, I was just going to read Philippians 3.20, 3, where Paul says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And when that's, I mean, Paul was also a Roman, and Paul also is a Jew, and those are very real parts of his life. But like you were like you both going to mention it, first and foremost is citizenship in heaven, and now mm-hmm. he's in his life. And that's where his patriotism was rooted in. Everything else is just something that was respectfully part of his life. And
2: okay? mm-hmm. any time Paul talks about either him being a Roman or him being a Jew, uh, normally what he's doing is he's using that as a door to talk to people who are already thinking that way and seeing that way and then trying to lead them to viewing themselves in, in a much truer way and in a much better way um, and to viewing themselves as 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 a soul in relation to God. Mm-hmm. And so... It's not like, I think sometimes the challenge is to say, well, like, just ignore the fact that I'm American. I'm like, never going to talk. Or I'm going to ignore the fact that I'm black. Or ignore the fact that I'm Hispanic. Or ignore the fact that I'm from Europe. Like, well, no. Like, this is who I am and where I'm from. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit easier for me to interact with someone who's Hispanic because I'm Hispanic. But if if that's what I make the relationship about and I keep it there, uh, then that is greater to me than my relationship with God. And so, you know, whenever Paul talks about becoming all things to all men, I think there's a sense where he's like, I kind of am this like chameleon of sorts where I can like, hit off different boxes, but I'm trying to lead people. And he said, i become all things to all men with the hope of doing what? You know, of saving some. Uh, and so that, that, that's kind of got to be what we do. I think Robin had something. I just think that-
7: a lot of the problem. Um, I uh, my experience in the church had nothing to do with, really with politics maybe because I was not engaged mm-hmm. but when 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 we moved to California, the church was infiltrated with politics. It was almost like it was
4: that was the answer to our problem. Yeah. Right? Kind of like God is the answer but God is using
7: Politics. Politics to solve our problem. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so this person is, this, this particular politician is good and this one mm-hmm. is bad, yeah evil, and is justified based on perceived faith or perceived, mm-hmm. perceived religion. Um, I don't really see, like in the, in the New Testament, I think, well, basically, political. His focus yeah. was on, on teaching and on, on explaining. God. Well, it, just real
2: quick on that. You think about the uh, the the last time a country or a place was had a Christian ruler or a, or the king tried to Christianize their country. Uh, I think about like Constantine with Constantinople. A, a lot of evil and harm came through that. Mm-hmm.
7: Um, uh, just just through his, history in this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, we there was a president. Named Carson, mm-hmm. who was a member of what we would call he, he was in office like three months and they killed him. So to me, if God wanted something like that, he would have been the very one mm-hmm. that would have survived and thrived and been blessed. He was killed, assassinated within three months. Mm-hmm. That, so so I was going to say one thing, uh, and do you still have
0: a very Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, when, when Bill was talking earlier, I think this is th- this is on the same subject as far as Americanizing Christianity, but it, it is a little bit more broad. But like when Bill was talking earlier about um, speaking the same language, and the funny thing is that, and I don't think this is from because I'm from Alabama, but it's because I'm from the South, I guess. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say it's all in Alabama, but but just to be totally real with you, like there were definitely times where I heard people talk like that, like things would be so much easier if everyone like you need to learn our language you know you need to be like us and and I remember thinking like that does make some sense you know like and I'm thinking because when i go to whatever place to eat or whatever when i'm at whatever place buying something like so
1: in a mexican restaurant or a chinese <laughs> place <or whatever. laughs> Sure, okay. I'm just okay. okay. yeah, like yeah the
0: yeah like yeah. Yeah. it would be so much easier if like i wouldn't there and be like come again you yeah. know what say that again I, I can't understand. Can someone help? You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, not that I ever like call for someone to help me or anything like that, but um, <laughs> but I'm just saying that like that that's that's a thought. And so I was I was actually going to ask like, um, do we see any problem with the thinking of like, hey, look, this will just be easier. Just I'm not even saying you got to do it to be right with God, but it just makes it easier to for just to for us to look and sound the same. And the, So going back to the problem with that, um, we got to see that the problem is we're creating another Babel situation. Mm-hmm. Even, even though I'm not wanting it to be a collective, because it's really based on what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting you all to get on the same page as me for that. Like, for instance, if I see a poor person uh, that is worshiping with us or something like that, and I want to help them with, uh, you know, to be able to afford clothing or something like that, well, that sounds like a good thing. But what if I want them to do is I want to say, hey, I'm going to take you and buy you a suit because, like, if you're going to worship with us, like, come on, man, like, you got you got to look a little nicer. Well, there's a problem there. Like, like I went from being wanting to be generous to wanting them to look like me. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm using generosity almost as a crutch to justify them just looking like me and conforming to how I would look. Like which which in
2: that, like, if you want to play the cynics game. And I might not be Americanized. No, 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 but it's... But, but with what you're saying, but if you want to play the cynics game, like, you know, we never tell people, well, you know what? I'm going to dress down and be more like you, you know? Instead of saying, well, why do not you learn my language? You never say, well, right, you know what? I'm going to learn your language. Like, we never talk that way. Yeah. Uh, it's, always, it's almost always, why don't you conform to me, as opposed to, why don't I conform to you? And now, again, either way, that's not what we should be doing, but well, we never talk that way, and we never think that way, because of the selfishness of, of our desires yeah. in that. I
5: had a question. Um, is it un- is
2: it unrelated? Or is it is. It, oh it's it is. unrelated? It is related. Oh okay.
5: okay. Um I was going to I was gonna ask um, <laughs> uh sometimes uh, I've, done, I've done some mission work in the past, uh, outside of the on this topic of American Christianity. I've done some mission work uh outside of this country a couple times and something that I sometimes find disheartening is that sometimes it seems that uh, those, those who are being converted and led to Christianity in, in these other countries are being done, it's being done so in an American flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost like they're not just becoming more Christian, they're becoming more American. And that's sometimes something that's disheartening to me. But on that same token, yeah, I realize that it's something that's, that is almost hard, you have to be intentional to avoid it. It's hard to avoid that because mm-hmm. we are Americans. Yeah. Therefore as we share, share Christianity with some who's not American, if you're not careful, you can also start turning them into a more American version of their culture instead of just a more Christian version of their soul. Yeah, so um, like gentrific- gentrification in so other countries. And, and I guess you could say that, international Christian gentrification. <laughs> um, but <coughs> what are some th- some things that we can do as Christians internationally to make sure that we're not pushing, whether it's America or any other country, mm-hmm. pushing our culture onto new converts, but rather just pushing our faith.
2: Yeah, so uh, like a lot of what you, you just mentioned right there, I've experienced in particularly different Spanish-speaking countries I've been to, uh, seek to know Jesus and only Jesus crucified. Like that. that is literally the answer to what you're saying right now. Because what happens is uh, if, if you start to Americanize things, then again, people—they don't—they're not really trying to be Christians. You're trying to get them to be American. You know what I mean? And and well, one of the things to think about—you uh, go read the book of Philemon. Uh, the book of Philemon is Paul writing to Philemon about who Onesimus, and Onesimus is a slave. slave. You think about like in 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 uh, Philippians like Philippians in, in Ephesians six, in Colossians, the beginning part of Colossians four. Like there were slaves in the church. Now, very different. Than what slavery in the United States of America. If you understand what I'm saying? But, but there were slaves. There were masters. they were. I mean, the Book of James. There were apparently rich people. There were poor people. Uh, at no point does God say we have to seek to change. Uh, like we, we have to seek to change everybody who's poor. We got to make sure that they're rich. We got. And I think a lot of that is is it, it's a social gospel, and we wanna we wanna change people's quality of life. Uh, as opposed to changing the quality of people's souls, if that makes sense, and, and I'm not trying to sound gimmicky, but that's, that's legitimately what it is. Like, there are going to be poor Christians. they are not any less Christians than rich Christians, you know, and, and we just have to remember that. And, and it's, not, it's not that, like, because sometimes what happens is that if you come, and you, like, if you go to a, a, a country that's impoverished and you just seek to, you're just giving out handouts, and people, they're no longer coming for the gospel. They're coming for the handouts you're giving. You know, Heather's been to Africa. And, like these are conversations we've had that like people would just come for oh, You're gonna give them food, or you're gonna give them this, or, you're gonna give them that. Like, like pe- here's the thing: whether you go there or not, and whether you give them something or not, they're gonna they're gonna figure out a way to manage with what they have. Mm-hmm. And this sound it almost sounds mean, but it, it's a reality. where, like, let them live in their culture and bring the gospel. Like uh, uh, American dollars have done more harm to the gospel internationally no it has uh, than a lot of other things have and probably from my vantage point probably more than a lot of false teaching has
0: um, well and, and how does me wanting to do that uh, if, if, if what I want to do is I want to help them in those ways how is that showing more compassion than and pity than what Jesus had like if, if all if all I want is to share the gospel with them like that's not less compassion or less pity because I didn't bring a blank check together, mm-hmm. you know like that doesn't mean I'm not moving with compassion to help, but like I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny. Like when you, when you see that progression throughout Jesus' ministry, it became pretty clear. Like all the things he did out of compassion and pity, all they really cared about was was bringing the kingdom to people mm-hmm. and calling them to repent. And so again, as we're doing that mission, as we are united in that, if we want, if we can see opportunities to help in those in that mission, then fine. But like the mission is.
1: Christ
2: anyway. So this is gonna kind of sound like weird, but whenever you think about Jesus, uh like Jesus talks about like was Jesus rich? Did Jesus have a home? Like we're talking about this this the savior of the world being a poor homeless man. Why are we trying to make people rich for? Him? You know what I mean? And in 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 some ways. Uh, i would even say that 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 uh, spiritually they some other people who are less impoverished less impoverished than than everybody in this room because if you're living in this country you've got it better than almost everybody else in the world uh they they have a better spiritual advantage than us because i think we get tied down to the things that we have whereas people are able to just appreciate the hope in heaven a lot more than sometimes we do
8: all right it's your turn (laughs)
3: No, I was gonna say, uh, and now I don't know if I'm gonna be able to phrase it as eloquently. Oh, oh. it's (laughs) a bummer. Um, No, like you had talked about, you took you took a lot of time talking about like
0: the marriage relationship of Adam and Eve, um, and how God made that a unity, and you know God has made the church a unity now, um, and how can we take some of the principles that we studied in Genesis, you know, about that relationship between Adam and
3: Eve, and apply it to the relationship that we have. Um, as brothers and sisters. Because obviously, it's two completely different relationships, but God ordained both of them
0: and called both of them to be unified. So, how can we take those principles into our relationships with our brothers and sisters? Yeah, I feel like I shouldn't have even been the one talking about that. <laughs> yeah, I like, I'm not the one married, so. Um, yeah, you're
3: the one who brought it up. So. I didn't read it up. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, okay, but,
0: um, so, I, I I don't know, Like I, I didn't get into this, but I was actually thinking about. Um, and maybe this isn't going to totally answer your your question, but I I started thinking yesterday, like, if you go back to the very beginning, like, how does God present himself to Adam and Eve? Like, he presents himself as being one, and then as we see that kind of progression throughout uh, the Old Testament in particular, like, he makes it clear, like, God is one. And I think that just note, like, that, and then we go fast forward to, you know, to the church, and we see how there's a comparison to marriage, like, the fact that we have one head as the church is kind of the same as them having one god and everything else flowing from them that determines the relationship how they interact like i think that's how the church is supposed to look Is like everything stems from the head so like whatever character we see from jesus the same things that they saw in god in the garden like we're supposed to be reflecting that
2: so i guess a quick answer would be for that In in Ephesians 5, whenever Paul is talking about the marriage relationship, and he says, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, Later on in the chapter, he'll say, submit yourselves to one another. Mm -hmm. And then later on, he'll say, love one another or walk in love. And so uh, some of those basic principles that you see in marriage uh, are things that God wants us to be sharing with, with one another. And obviously when you're married, the person that you're married to, you share that in a, in a deeper and a more intimate way. But a lot of, the, like a lot of those basic marriage foundational principles are things that we should be sharing with one another, just in general. So you're being honest, you're being transparent, you want the best for somebody else, you're thinking more about somebody else than yourself. Like all of those principles that you would would see in a marriage, like we need to be doing that with our brothers and sisters as well.
0: And, and maybe another way is that instead of only thinking about how I treat that person, it's also how I. Uh, speak of that person or treat that person like around other people. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think that we would all raise our hands if we, uh, if I asked a question, like, how many of you have ever seen a husband or a wife talk bad about other person uh, openly to other people, even when they're around? You know, like, that's like the biggest slap in the face. Um, but, it, you know, and then, and then you kind of see it happen when they're just around their guy friends or, you know, she's just around her girlfriends, like that. Well, what happens when I'm, there's someone that's part of the, the church that I, I am with and the body that I'm a part of, and like we just like we're a little different, so I get like my group and like we talk about that person, and you know even if it's just like hey we're just talking truths here, you know, I mean, it, it would be the same as like a husband uh, behind his wife's back being like I'm just calling it like I see it, okay. Mm-hmm. She's terrible, all right. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, like I'm biased, like she's just awful. Like you guys know, right? and, and then they're like, I mean, you know, yeah, she's a little bad, and then she, and, and like, and then there's all, and, and every time, like, I've never had somebody say that, but like, time I've like kind of seen that or experienced that, there's like a feeling of just like you're just uncomfortable with that. But then it's kind of like the callousness we talked about. You can you can kind of push past that, and, and eventually, like, it's very easy, and everyone's just unashamed to talk about that person. And the same thing can happen in the church, and so I would say we need to be very cautious about that as well. Um, and that, that's like a, a real lesson for
6: me, for sure. Mm-hmm. I have a different question, so anyway, you. You,
0: you might have something else kind of on the same subject. Yeah, yeah.
6: yeah I, I, what I, 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 mean, we don't read a lot about it, and in, 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 we don't read anything about it in Genesis. Actually, what I think about is the relationship after. Um, Talk about it. Like. Uh, you know, they they had lived in perfect harmony with God, and now because of what they had done, uh, they have a memory of what they have lost. Mm-hmm. But they stayed together, like you know Adam and Eve. We don't we don't read about bliss or anything like that. We don't read about infighting. We don't know what their relationship was like, but we know they had children, right? And they were they were spoken of as, as being together, Adam and Eve together. Um, so I I think on like on the, on the part of Adam. You know, he had to get past the fact that, hey, she offered, she, well, not she offered, she took this fruit
8: uh-huh.
6: and ate. Like, he, he had to get past that. Um, and then she had to get past the fact that standing in the presence of God, he threw her under the bus and said, she, she's the problem in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's one thing to, like, you know, I mean, yeah, and I'm not saying it's, it's okay, it's terrible to talk bad about your spouse in front of other people. But when you're in the presence of God and you say, this person is the reason we've lost this relationship. Mm-hmm. And you say, like, I mean, you can't get any more, right? So they both had to get past those things. Well, I think in the church, right, we're not going to experience something that bad with another person. Like, no one is going to be standing in the presence of God saying, Richard is, is the reason everything's bad on her. Right? <laughs> because, you know what I'm saying? So there are other things, though, that we are going to have to get past. We're going to have to push through. People are going to do things against us maliciously mm-hmm. that they're going to need forgiveness for. And they're mm-hmm. going to seek it, and we are going to need to the forgive them to preserve that unity. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that, those are some of things well, that's, see That's
1: good. Go so um, when I was thinking about, like, this whole topic of DMS <coughs> I think it's kind of interesting that we are talking about unity because in a lot of places in the world today, um, it's kind of almost the opposite that's focused on, or maybe not the opposite, but like like diversity is a big like keyword that is used around like places and in you know different social settings and whatever. Like like I know it at both school and at work where I'm at, like there are like diversity statistics and they're like you know oh we have you know this many people of different minorities or races or whatever. And that's like a good thing, like like obviously like that's a that's a better that's a better thing than there being like segregation or whatever happened you know back you know a hundred years ago or so. But like, what is what is diversity? Like, what role does diversity play in the church? And, like, like how should we how should we view that? How should we think about that idea? Since it is such a big like buzzword, like I, like I remember like a, a few months ago, like we even had someone who was like, hey, like can you help me find a church that is like. More diverse, mm-hmm. or like more progressive, and kind of like you know, is that something that we need to be focused on? Yeah. Like, how do we how do we go about handling that? So, topic? so that's a super like to say diversity. Like, diversity is an
2: incredibly subjective thing to think about. Um, because think about this: if uh, if you went to a church and they were so I'm Dominican, they they had 150 Dominicans, uh, but 50 of them were rich, 50 of them were dirt poor. Uh, and the other 50 were middle class. Is that a diverse church? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on what what you're looking for, as far as diversity is concerned. Now, most of the time, whenever people are talking about diversity, it's more of a racial diversity. or a. But the the problem with with diversity is that that diversity, at its core, has the same issue. And I'm not like like, anti-diversity. But this is what you mean by it. At its core, it has the same problem that segregation does. Diversity is a celebration of self. Um, and so you are, you are looking at people physically because you're wanting to see what makes me different than you. And how can I celebrate the fact that I'm different from you? And so, you know, if I'm from this place or I speak this way or I make, you know, whatever the, whatever the you know, you fill in the blank. Uh, uh, and, and, and that celebration itself, we're like in, in Christ, it's not so much celebration of you, it's a celebration of God. And so I, I don't think that God wants you to be colorblind and ignore the fact that some people are white, some people are black, some people are this, some people are that. Like I don't think that's the idea in the picture. Uh, but I think the idea is that the the greater idea is you come to God with whatever it is that your background is, and you become of something greater. You become a, you become a part of something greater. You become a part of something bigger. I think that's like that's Paul's point in Ephesians three, verse 10, in, in three ten. <laughs> he starts off the chapter by saying. You know, he's been a minister for the Gentiles. Paul, this Pharisee of Pharisees, God has made him a worker for the Gentiles uh, so, that, so that in the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. I think the idea is whenever you have people from different places, different backgrounds, uh, who acknowledge that they're different, who acknowledge they have different cultures, who acknowledge they have different prejudices, uh, whenever we can come together and say, well, we're going to be one, and we're going to be one in God, I think that's what we've got to be celebrating. We've got to be celebrating the unity that we have in God as opposed to seeking to, 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 to find this value in the fact that I'm diverse in, in this or in that. Uh, yeah, Ron had we're something in the
7: way. I think a lot of, we talk about diversity. You know, the church at one time, and probably still is in some places, segregated. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the church taking on culture mm-hmm. general culture um, but I don't want to say that I've, I've lived here in Atlanta about ten years my experience in the south it's a little it's a little different There's segregated churches here there's if you go outside of the south believe me there's not a lot of black men African men
4: descent
7: that are in the church you're a rarity I mean, there are people that there there are men that I know that I've talked to that want nothing to do with the church. They they think that some kind of racial conspiracy or Mm -hmm. something like that, you know, for control or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. whatever their general thinking is. But it's just not it's it's just not happening. And and to me, that's I don't know how you remedy something like that. You just have to go on and push on and, and teach and do your thing. But that is something that's
4: church
2: so it's there. yeah uh and so I mean so so the idea of like segregation that's not a false thing but again but but people can you can you can be separate and, and set apart from people for a lot more than just racial things now I I agree with you like if if you're if you open up your eyes you do realize that sometimes there depending depending on where you are uh, there are different races that are sometimes more prevalent where I where I grew up in the church that I first went to uh was there were more Hispanics than there were white people like that, but that was the demographic of where I lived at that time. And, uh, and so you know, so what do you do to remedy, rem- remedy that?
7: I, I look at it more like we mentioned earlier uh, Acts 8 where Philip went down and he preached in Samaria. So he mm-hmm. goes out to preach in Samaria. Okay. And so then Jews and Samarians just decide, well, we're going to be Christians, but we don't really. We're uncomfortable worshiping in the same community with Jews. Mm-hmm. Like, well we're uncomfortable working, worshiping in the same community with Samaritans. That kind of defeats the whole permanence yeah. of real. Yeah. It's not real. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm talking about. No I, I mean if you live someplace where there there are no black people. No no no, yeah no no and I, and I get what you're saying. <laughs> and
2: and so and if, you know, again so part of the remedy with that is what well, first of all, get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's a reality. This isn't about you know so but but the second thing, I think it's interesting to think like who Paul sends to, I I gave you the answer, who God sends to the Gentiles. Uh, he sends Paul. Uh, but the fact that Paul was who he was, imagine how shocking it would have been to have this, this, this Jew of Jews, this Pharisee, this person who otherwise would have no reason to talk to you, otherwise would have no reason to interact with you, wanting to, to interact with you, and wanting to talk to you about the good news, and wanting to talk to you about God. And just imagine how much more impactful that is. You know, and, and uh, it, so, so, so sometimes, I think about like if Blake and I go talk to the same person. If mean, Blake and I go talk to a black person, now the black person may look at me and say, well, we look alike, so, you know, yeah, sure, we should talk. Well, that I may, mean, like, that's one angle. But I think if, like, if, if Blake goes talk to, like, well, we're different. Why would, why, why do you even want to talk to me? You know, and so the remedy is whether you're black or you're white, we'll talk to black people. Whether you're black or you're white, we'll talk to white people. Whether you're black or white, we'll talk to people. Um, and, and... I mean, just yeah. I was gonna say that um, all the subject of, of diversity
0: uh, I I think when you, when you see what like the goal of Christians really the goal of the church is actually uh, conforming right like it's conforming to Christ it's conforming to God so um, when I think about that I, I think we could, if we're honest we could say we could think like it would be ideal for instance, this this is a common conversation like I guess you could call them like, church leaders, I don't know, but whatever. Um, not that I'm in that circle, You're saying like, I, I read things. Uh, but like, <laughs> the, the goal is like, you, re- you reflect the demographics of your community. Like, that's the goal for a church to do that. So, okay, so we got, you know, we got 60% white, we got 30% <coughs> black, we got 10% of Asian. It's like, oh, so that's what we want. It's like, what is it like, does that communicate something? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe that just means that you're, like, trying to specialize the gospel and, like, spin it in a way to get people from different cultures. And that that's not that's not appropriate. Like, that's, that is that is so far away from what we're supposed to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: If the gospel is for all as it is presented, then we present the gospel. And if what you wind up having is 90% of one uh, race, then, like, you know what? You have that. And is that, that – now, could that be a sign of some mentalities and approaches – in the church that you're at sure and that needs to be dealt with like if there's some like racial issues or some um some pursuit or like wish to be segregated but based on race based on whatever it is socioeconomic levels then like you got to deal with that but um and if we have that within us we have to deal with that but i think that when you see the way the gospel is presented it's just so open mm-hmm. as it is for everybody and like, Again, yeah, like it really is, the, I, I just see the goal as being, we're supposed to be conforming to Christ anyway, so. But do you think that's, I mean, I don't know, I'm
7: thinking the whole purpose of what this meeting was about, do you feel that that's an issue that has to be, or it's not an issue? I, I understand that theoretically we can, well, what you're saying, thinking utopian, that mm-hmm. you know, you know, we shouldn't be doing this, or we should approach things this mm-hmm. way but practically do you think that that's an issue in you know, the church? Where people it, are wanting to be segregated still? Yeah, this yeah. is this is an inner, this is a, this, is, this church here is a small congregation in a diverse city, okay? It's a liberal, relatively liberal, diverse city. It's not the hinterlands, this is not out. Do you think there's like a problem?
0: using you think it in the church in general? Are you asking, are, is this more of a problem in the boondocks than it is in the city?
7: Uh, yeah. The, so. the boondocks is the backwoods country. I, well, I mean the population as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> See,
7: like, yeah. The boondocks could be Birmingham. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not, talking, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not sure. talking about the backwoods. Right, right, right.
2: <laughs> so it is a reality, yeah, though. It's like, it's, it's like, not it's like. It, it is a reality, it is an issue, not in every church. In, in this, in, in that's, and that's the thing, is uh, <clears throat> like whether this is a reality or not in every church is a little bit different from, like I said, that's a different question of whether that's a reality or not where I worship. You know what well, I mean?
7: Well, what I'm saying, what, what I mean, my point is that I, this is not the only church I've ever been a member of. Yeah. I've gone, people move different places. Mm-hmm. go to different places. You're not, people, you know.
2: And so, like, so, so again, so back to that. But, but, it, but my point stays the same. Whether it's a reality or not of the church or churches, uh, the answer is yes, mm-hmm. like it is. Like that's a rea- the, the fact that people are segregated. And even in churches where you have diverse groups, sometimes there can be segregation even with that. Like mm-hmm. there's cliques, and there's people here, and these people here, we're going to talk. That's a reality. Uh, can I go and fix whatever problems going on in, in every church in Wyoming, <coughs> in Montana, and Alabama? No, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not there. You know? But but what, what we can be doing is wherever it is that you are, wherever it is that you are worshiping, help to change the narrative. You know? And and the more that, that we can then the more that we can work on helping to change the narrative, then whether I move to another church or somebody else moves to another church, if you've been having that conversation and helping change the narrative on that, then they go and they keep you know, and, and, and it kind of it, it it picks up steam that way, but but yet, it's a reality because because of the culture that we live in, like you were saying, yeah. in
7: the scriptures, certain things were happening in Corinth. Mm-hmm. They, they were specific, some of it, was mm-hmm. specific to Corinth. But that, the things were written, documented, so that everybody could see, yeah. so it doesn't happen. In, in other, other places. places. Yeah. So I think Paulette and then uh, Cecilia had something. No, right? I'm not Cecilia
4: OK. Interested. Oh, OK. <laughs> Well, what I noticed about today's church is they undermine the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Like, we want to go by the word of the book, and how are we supposed to live right? But inviting the Holy Spirit to really make us to live right, like, I haven't really found that like in most churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, Churches I go to, you know, to preach the word. And they don't really emphasize upon the, what the job of the Holy Spirit when well, it goes beyond making like we humans are naturally building to judge, we naturally building with our impulses mm-hmm. and we're supposed to naturally act. But once we have the Holy Spirit within us, our mindset changes, the way we look at the world changes, mm-hmm. the way we, we have to face changes, and I just feel like maybe if the church really worked in accordance with the Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. we could get
2: that back, like the early church. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it's interesting, right, because in yeah. uh, in, in John, chapters 14 through 16, uh, yeah. so it's like Jesus' last sermon tends, tends up to the apostles before he ends up getting betrayed and crucified. Uh, in chapter 14 and in chapter 16, he talks about the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit being within them. And, and, uh, it, I'm going to also make a separate point that's going to connect with that in a second here but but the things that he says the spirit's going to do in John 14 he says the spirit's going to do things like lead you into all truth if if we had and lived with with the the spirit and just recognizing that more uh, we would allow his truth to guide us more uh, He says things like uh, the, the spirit is, the spirit in John 16 talks about the spirit glorifying Christ. Uh, if we sought to glorify Christ more in our lives, we kind of see the work of the Spirit a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it, it's interesting. One of my favorite passages is whenever Jesus says to the apostles, it's to your convenience that I leave so that the helper can come. Because part of what, and, and stay with me because it's going to sound like a ramble, but I promise you I'll tie it in at the end. <laughs> uh, but part of what Jesus tells the apostles uh, is that he's telling, I have to leave. And it's good for you that I'm leaving. And you wouldn't say that unless whatever's coming is of equal value or better, you know. Um, But whenever Jesus talks about his relationship with the Father, we're going to talk about, I'm going to bring it into unity here. He says that he and the Father are what? One. That one. And and as you think about, like, the idea of the Godhead and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and them being one. Mm -hmm. Like, there's this oneness that they have because they all share the same nature, because they all share the same attributes, because they all share the same goals, because they are all God. Mm -hmm. They share this oneness. And what God wants is for us to have oneness with Him and with one another. And uh-huh. so what does He do to allow us to have that? He
4: gives us
2: the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Spirit. Uh-huh. And I think that as you think about this, the idea of like God dwelling in us, uh, and and, different, and this is going to be a different conversation that should be had another time, but there's different uh-huh. ideas of like what does it mean for the Spirit to dwell in us. Um, but I think the idea is that whenever we are living and we're letting God's Spirit, because the Spirit doesn't take over your life. It didn't do it to people in the Bible.
4: Like, that's not the way that
2: works. Um, but if we allow the Spirit to guide us and to, and to lead us, you, you're still making decisions, but like, if, if we allow the, the, the Spirit to guide us and to lead us, we're going to be conformed more into the image of Christ, which means we have that oneness with God. And think about the oneness that God had with Himself. Like, then we have that oneness with one another as well. And so I, I do think that there is a sense where. Whereas we think about the unity that we have. We would have more unity if we were more spirit-led people. Um, but, but by that, I don't mean that the spirit has somehow taken over my life and controlled me. And I'm no, longer, I'm no longer at the wheel. That's not the way the Bible talks about the spirit leading us or guiding us. Like, you are at the wheel. You are just deciding if the spirit and the work of the spirit is going to lead you. Or if you are going to let your flesh lead you. If that makes sense.
4: All right. Um, to me, diversity, when you talk about diversity, it's, it's, it's primarily a social construct. It's, yeah. it's something that, um, that is used to to get people to accept each other, mm-hmm. right? And that acceptance t- sometimes means accepting things that are not right, yeah. you know, accepting things that are, um, you know, part of it is accepting the differences, but also accepting that whatever you do is OK, mm-hmm. whether it's right or wrong. right? And I think diversity within the church, if we're going to talk about diversity in the church, it can't be the same thing. I agree with you. Because the acceptance that we have within the church is first ruled by the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, we come there for our acceptance, and that governs what we do. So there's going to be some things that if we are diverse within the church that we're not going to accept. Mm-hmm. Because that's not what Jesus is telling us that we mm-hmm. need to accept. right? And so I think, I think it could get to be somewhat like a trap, you know, trying to be diverse and accept we, everything. Yeah. That's not what the church is about. Right? Which,
2: again, goes back to the whenever we think about diversity, like, it's not so much diversity. Diversity is celebrating you however it is that you right. want. Whatever, whatever ways that you live, just celebrate that. Right. As opposed to, like, unity is celebrating God and celebrating what we have in God. Was I was going to say, in
5: a second, you, you had some pointed questions. So no. I'll get to that in a second.
3: We don't have to. This, this, this is good too.
5: Yeah, very briefly, I'll, I'll, I'll be down in 30 seconds. Uh, just to add to this, I think it's, it's <coughs> worth noting that there's a difference uh, in understanding that if the church in its most authentic and pure form will naturally be diverse mm-hmm. to all those in its community around it, versus if the church is actively going out of its way to force a certain kind of diversity, whether it be economic. Racial or whatever, um, then you're you're focusing on the physical. Yeah. You're missing the one. Yeah. But if you are truly focused on the spiritual, then that diversity should naturally follow. So
0: Amen. I mean, imagine imagine people real quick. Imagine people saying like, okay, so we got enough poor people now. Um, let's <laughs> put all it's it's our efforts like, on the, the rich people to bring in, You know, <laughs> like how how silly does that sound? Like, and we could we could try to like make it practical and rationalize, be like, well, we need that for this and this and this because we got to. It's like well, that just sounds. That really just sounds dumb. Like, that, I mean, there was a, an example. You probably yeah. won't have anybody ever say, "We got too many rich people; let's get poor." But like, <laughs> that's why I flipped it. Like, but I mean, like, that—that's
7: true. Like, it goes both ways with that. Or, was in, when I was in San Diego, they one the preacher went up. The evangelist went up, and so uh, there weren't any elders in the, in the congregation. So then it was fairly good size. Of the men, you know coming on them to try to, to find a, a replacement. And so we had different people coming in, you know, different guys coming in, preaching, trying to make a decision. So this one guy came in and he was, uh, he was a, a white, all of them were white men, there were no blacks. But he came and he was from Alabama. And uh, he noticed that in the congregation, <laughs> there were very few minorities in the congregation. so. He, I, I don't know, he probably just wanted me to give him a good word and, oh, trying to get the job, but he came to me and he goes that he had uh, he had uh, the ability or he had, uh, you know, he could go in to minority communities and, and, and evangelize these minority communities to help, you know, to build that up. he you that's think that's wrong. Did that so basically, are you saying that he came up to you and he said, yeah, you said he "Hey, his, I can talk to black people." Yeah, he, had so he had experience I I coming yeah. from the South. He yeah, had experience doing that, working with 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 black. It people. ain't it ain't right. <laughs> <You know. laughs> no, I'm i saying like,
2: and it, 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 but it goes back to the the like looking at people fleshly, mm-hmm. you know, and looking at people and looking at the wrong things like. I, you know who you got to talk to? The people that are right in front of you, whether they are black or they are white, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you live in a minority, you got like talk. yeah, we'll talk to people. But the idea of like, I'm going to actively seek out. First of all, and I wonder if he said that to the other white guys at the church. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't, I, you know, I know he didn't. You know? but know.
1: That's, But that's, but that's, that's <laughs> exactly my
2: point. He, he, he is ascribing, I mean, he, he's subscribing to your blackness. Mm-hmm. So he's going to you, because you're black, to tell you that. Mm-hmm. like. What, what does that show? Like, I, th- I think that shows some shallowness in thinking more about him than anything else. If, if you get what I'm saying, and so to me, like that's that like, I, I think it's a, it's just a wrong mentality. Souls are souls are, are souls, regardless of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think about there's a there's an illustration, or just a little analogy that uh, this dude named this elder James Newman uh, uses all the time. He's, he's it's Alexander's dad. I was not trying to say his dad, but well, Corey looked at you. No, but he like he talks about like uh, that the the car is just a vehicle. What's important is the person who's driving it, and like these bodies, this is just a vehicle, and what's important is the soul that's inside it. So,
7: in that same vein, what do you think about you know evangelists who? I mean, there's places right here in the United States that are gutted, need. I mean, we were just talking. I was talking the other day about certain cities. They don't really have sound church, New Orleans being one of them. Mm-hmm. But people go all the way across the world to, to the continent of Africa mm-hmm. and places like this. What's the difference? I'm just you know, I'm just asking. No. I, I, I asked you the question. I, what is the difference?
2: <laughs> I, it, it somehow seems more noble, Yeah. I guess. I don't know, to go to Africa than to go to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, like I legitimately don't know, but I, I like. Yeah, there needs to be churches in New Orleans. There needs to be churches in Atlanta. There needs to be churches in. I can't think of a small town. But I don't know any small town. <laughs> hey, Hyra.
0: In where? Hey, Hyra. In hi, that hi. place.
2: <laughs> I can. Is that in Georgia?
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. You're about us I mean, if so, I think kind of going back again to something <coughs> talk about with Alexander's question, though. Like, if that's what someone wants to do, then we probably should still be careful about saying like, well, they're probably just going to do that because they want to be known as the person that can go into Africa and like, you know, convert them as people. Same time, I mean, if we're being very transparent, we've heard people talk like that, you know? And um, so there could be some wrong mentalities going on, but if, if the goal is truly to take the gospel to the whole world, then it, it does seem like it's kind of up to, up to each individual person how they're going to do that, and accomplish that. Um, but again, we have to check ourselves, and if we're close enough to someone, probably should check them a little bit mm-hmm. on their mentality behind why they're doing that, how they plan to accomplish that, right? Like, if I'm going to neglect everyone around <clears throat> me because I'm like, I, just for instance, like, this could be a real thing. Like I'm like, I'm going to neglect my whole community because it's just a bunch of white people, and I'm tired of trying to talk to all them. You know, I just I want to go to different communities. That just that doesn't sound like what christ did like he dealt with his community but he dealt with everyone that wasn't part of his community too so it's like he told one guy go back home and tell them what the lord's done for you and then he told someone else go to a far off place you know like i mean paul went to places that he had never thought to visit with the gospel but he also told some people just go home mm-hmm. and, and tell people about what i've done for you so
7: anyway no that's good Dandy? or are we done with this? I wasn't. I wasn't really trying to knock that. No. No, no, no. Yeah. Alexander, what were you gonna say? So, okay, I guess
1: Christianity has a really, really hard knocks with uh, the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess my question is, how are we going to? help that like I know the ultimate remedy is the cross but like yeah. what what are we going to have to do how do how do we act in a more united way with them how do we express uh that we believe that this is the right way to walk without actually bigoted because mm-hmm. I think that that comes across too, too often that even though yes you may be telling the truth but you are saying it in a way that is completely
2: broken. absolutely uh in in first Corinthians uh whenever Paul is giving them the list of sins that they used to commit in the past uh, when he says "such were some of you," uh, in that list was homosexuality. Uh, I think the implication would have been that whenever Paul was in Corinth, or whenever Apollos was there, or whoever, like they preached to some homosexuals. And 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 I don't, you know, we don't have that story of what that looked like. But my guess is that he probably preached to them with the same love and the same boldness and gentleness that he did to everybody else. You know what I mean? And so, here would be my question. Uh, if, if, would you talk to somebody differently if they if you knew that they were, like, would you talk to somebody, you know, uh, case A, case B. Case A is you have a person who's a homosexual. Case B, you have a person who's living with their girlfriend uh, and committing fornication. Would you talk to them differently? Case C, you have somebody who's an alcoholic or a drug addict, would you talk to them differently? Like, the, the point is, I think what happens is, is, and and this is almost a a societal way of of viewing sins, uh, or or even a a judiciary way of viewing sins. You know, like in in this country, uh, certain crimes, you do different times for You know, and I think (laughs) sometimes, Scott nodding his head back. No, but (laughs) but I think what, what happens is, is that we end up viewing sins that way as well. Is that like, oh no, if you go to hell for homosexuality, a, like you the the fire in hell <laughs> burn hotter than if you just went for lying,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know. Like, oh no, like, and, and so part, part of what I'm trying to say is, is understanding like the the same heart and the same attitude and the same gentleness because there, there's uh, I've said this like Jesus is is always actually interesting to look at. He's always the boldest person in the room. He's also always the most gentle person in the room. And I think we have to learn to develop that. I think what happens is either we're bold with no gentleness, so we tell people how wrong they are, or we're gentle with no boldness, so we tell people how much they love them without ever making them confront the things in their lives. And uh, I, I, like I, I think the, the 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 greatest impact you're going to have on somebody in, in any community, community, but particularly in the LGBT community, is like you you have to treat them as a human being, like make them feel like you think about Jesus with with the Samaritan woman in John four, or Jesus, like he, he has this ability to make people feel like. Like people, you know what I mean? And it's not like, I'm this great, I'm greater than you. Like whenever you do that to people, I don't wanna to talk to you, I don't wanna to listen to you. You think you're better than me. Like why would I wanna to listen to you, you know? And I'm not gonna be you, so whatever, you know? Forget that nonsense. Like I think if we can learn to treat people like human beings, um, to see the person not the problem and and to, to interact with them in that way. And from there, start dialogue and start conversation. I, I think that's the first step. and And that's a big first step, but a lot of it is, you know, you're checking your heart and, 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 like, do you just want them to stop being gay or stop being lesbian or stop being this? Because chances are they, they might also be lying. You know, what if they're stealing? What if they're, you know, are, the, are you going to discuss all those issues too? And so there, there's a, a, a big thing that we have to help people understand is, is you, you want people to come to God uh, first and foremost. And whenever people are really coming to God biblically, uh, then, that's like, then they're going to be challenged with, all right, in my sexuality, this is what's going on in my life. How do I confront this? As opposed to, I'm going to try to stop them from doing that sin, and then we'll deal with the Christianity stuff later. We, we, we flip it around. Mm-hmm. Bring people to Jesus. Bring people to Christ. Help people understand the authority of Jesus, the authority of Scripture, the authority of the King. Uh, and, and once you can set that up, then that will inform. All right, what do I do like, if, if I'm dealing with homosexual thoughts? What, if I, what, if I, what do I do if I'm sleeping with my girlfriend? What do I do if I'm, you fill in the blank, if I'm, I've got substance abuse? Like, well, if you have the basis of Jesus is King, He holds all authority, then that will inform the other stuff. So, do you guys remember the, uh, right before Jesus
0: says to take up your cross, what does He say? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. So, I think one of the funny things is that like, <coughs> that would be my go-to thing. I would, I would want to talk to that person, but then... Maybe what we should do is also uh, really ask ourselves, um, "What am I denying myself? Like, how am I living that life of denying myself?" Because if I'm going to try, there's almost this balance, this is my opinion, that I think you have to strike where you you can't relate, but you have to relate. So, what can you relate to that person if you're not denying yourself? Because you're like, "Well, I don't really have anything that I need." Like that sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, so you have nothing that you have to deny yourself in order to follow Jesus. There's nothing like that. That is a desire. That is a passion. That is a want. That is staying in the way of you following Jesus. Like that. That. That's impossible, mm-hmm. right? It's just. It's not as outward. It's not as outward where people are sitting there saying that's gross mm-hmm. and that's disgusting and that's like clearly wrong. <laughs> like no. And, and because of that, it's almost easier for us to be like, I can't relate at all. But then we sometimes we like, oh, I get it. You know, I I, I totally relate to you. It's like I can't relate to someone that has that, where society, not as a whole anymore, but like a huge portion of society is like, like very vocal saying that is wrong, but they're not saying that the person living with their girlfriend, or their boyfriend, well, they're engaged, so you know, it's a, but they're not saying, shouting from the rooftops or writing on signs and going out with you know and holding those up to people saying that they're going to hell. So I can't relate to that person, but I especially can can never relate. If what I'm not doing is denying myself. And so like I think that's our only hope. And because like we we're we have the same calling that's going out, which is to do that.
2: So and you're gonna have a hard time getting people <clears throat> to follow the commands of Jesus if they don't know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've like if I so I try to think about this with some of my family who aren't who aren't Christians. If I just went to them like, hey you gotta you gotta stop drinking. You know, you gotta stop stop being this way. Well like why? Like what's the basis of any of that? And so you got to help people see like learn about God first and foremost and then from there uh, like then everything else proceeds from that
1: so I think that another really big thing that especially with this issue that kind of relates back to what we've been talking about today is the whole concept of like identity because I feel like I mean that's, that's the case in a lot of different sins that it kind of becomes a part of who you are but especially with like this whole LGBTQ movement it really it really in a lot of ways like defines like who you are like you're you know um, that that's just kind of part of your identity uh, as uh, as a person, and so I think it's really important when we're talking to people about that kind of thing um, to emphasize what we've talked about today, and that is that like our identity is with Christ. Mm-hmm. That like we're not defined by our sexuality, we're not defined by these these sins or these desires. You know, it's it's part of denying yourself is is taking your own identity and what you have decided like makes you part makes you who you are and even putting that aside and saying like I'm going to even put aside who I am and become part of Christ mm-hmm. like I'm going to be defined by, by that now and live my life according to those, uh, those standards so I think I think as, just especially for this issue like that's really important mm-hmm. to emphasize because you know I don't you, know, you don't see people who are liars being like Oh, i'm one of I'm one of the liars. like mm-hmm. that's a part of my identity as a person. Like people don't talk about it that way. But with these kind of issues, it becomes like a, yeah, it's like a, it's like a part of who you are, you mm-hmm. know and it's like something that's you know taken taken pride in and celebrating the and you don't see people
0: that start groups that are celebrating their anger and how they want to hurt mm-hmm. people, you know sure. like, like, yeah, I, w- I want to kill someone. everybody listening know. You know, everybody with me with that. It's like, no, you're crazy. Like, we're gonna report to you. You're going to in a safe asylum. You know, I
7: think we do that to kind of shout it down. That's kind of that's like, that's, that's like kind of a bridge too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know? yeah. Now, now, now it's too far. Yeah. But like with everything wow. else, like there, there are certain things that are looked at as causes, right? Yeah. So um, there's several. I don't know who's first. Angelie
7: go
8: ahead. Okay, so. I think with diversity, whether it's whether it's L-B-G-T-Q-I-A, if you don't know that's the point, or, or whatever the situation is, there's this usually an underlying hurt around whatever that issue is. And then because there's that hurt, then the people, they congregate around that hurt and their identity. But I think it starts, at least that's what I've seen. It starts with an underlying um, injury that happens and then the people come around that particular whether it's immigration LGBT, whatever the whole thing um, in speaking with some people I've heard um, you know homosexual people saying there's been some type of abuse there's been I mean there's just any number of things that can happen where that person is hurt and now they have to identify with people who are like them so that they they get that comfort so how do you deal with the hurt first and then go to you know go to christ and how christ solves that kind of injury there because that's where usually with any group that's what you see well what led to the hurt well that sin right yeah but it could be a sin of another person. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm that's saying. So it's, it's, what has what that person been through? Why they're so defensive and protective in, in developing that group around their particular issue? I think that's usually the case with diversity. That's the case with any kind of group that you, you see. Even with Christians, we're hurt. Through sin, and now we are looking for reconciliation and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So that's our witness. and it's not, I don't think it's any different from other groups. So how does Christ solve that hurt for that particular for that particular group?
2: So just just a side point, uh, and I think it's, especially the way society is working, not every person who's a homosexual or a lesbian or a trans like, not not for every person that's not always going to stem from a place of hurt. And we've got to be like. I I do think that for a lot of people that is a reality. Regard like whatever it is that they run to or whatever thing that they identify themselves with, there's a reason why they're going to that. But that like we just got to be careful with that because I think it's, especially the more that society will celebrate it, the less people will come to it because they're hurt, and the more they're going to go to it because this is what I this is how I've identified myself since I've I've always felt this way, uh, I've always thought this way. So this is just where I, I always am, or this is what I am. And so like just. And I think part of that is having dialogue. If I just go to somebody and say, like, well, who hurt you that you're a homosexual? they like, well, nobody hurt me. I just happen to be this. You know. So we've got like, But if we are having that dialogue and that conversation with somebody, I think acknowledging the hurt, like acknowledging whatever it is that they've experienced as a real thing uh, and not minimizing that is it's, it's, it's absolutely crucial. I think sometimes you talk to people, and because you haven't experienced what they've experienced, it's almost like, you you try to minimize it or you try yeah I know what that's like well, you you probably don't like their pain and their hurt is their pain and their hurt um, and and you you will not like you may not be able to do anything to remove that hurt um, but God got but but you want to like like you were saying you do want to lead them into like I, I can't change what happened to you in your past or what you've experienced in your past but I can tell you that God has uh Comfort and love and 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 a real community that he wants to offer you.
0: Well, and the tough thing sometimes that hurt uh, comes from people who profess to be God mm-hmm. people. And, yeah, and we just have to be honest about it and say, well, if they weren't showing the character of God or the character of Christ, then that's not who they are. Yeah. So don't pass that off on God or on Jesus. When you look at how He is and you see how He is, and then this other person didn't like, well, that's exactly. When people were dealing with the New Testament, like, and they were called like hypocrites, mm-hmm. and Jesus called them brood of vipers. People like that—they proclaim to be one thing, but we're not reflecting the character of God fully. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's nothing new, and I, I think we have to be sympathetic towards that. But also, we can't allow people to pass off um, hurt and say it's because of Christians. And it's like, well, maybe, but also maybe it was people that were also not who they needed.
4: Um, and, and then there are those people who are, um, who say they are Christian lesbians or Christian or whatever. So, you know, they're not gonna say they're not gonna deny God. They're not gonna say God is not for me. They're gonna say, hey, God loves me just as much as He loves you. Which is true. Right? He does. He does and, love you. Just and as what, he loves what I'm doing is, is just as right as what you're doing. But and, and so then that's that, a tougher yeah, conversation. Yeah. I yeah.
2: Think. Yeah. Uh, From my vantage point, though, I would actually even say that that might be an easier conversation because they have some basis of faith. Mm -hmm. And so you've got something to start with. Whereas, like, if someone has dealt through something in the past, the question is, God doesn't love me. Like, why did I go through this? You know? And, uh, like, if someone is in that role, like, then what you're trying to establish is, okay, God does love you. And he loves you just as much as every other person. But, like, here is doctrine. Here is what he has said. What are you going to do with it? Um, God loves you just as much as he loves other person, but he's gonna judge you just as fairly as you love every other person. And so not separating some of those things. We probably got time for one more. I was gonna say, we need to wrap up in a second. but I, There are a couple hands that up.
1: Our favorite handle. I don't, I
0: don't know who was first. Who was the other hand? <laughs> Kelly. Um, um,
6: go ahead, I'm out here. All right, well, <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, in, in response to Alexander's question, we have to make sure that we don't get dragged political discussion that should be a spiritual discussion. Amen. Um, You know, people say don't talk about politics and religion, right? At the dinner table or whatever. Well, there are some topics that are both. They're highly political and they're highly religious and they're in the forefront. They've got all this charge behind them, right? Sometimes people just want to talk because it's an emotionally charged thing. They need to get it out, right? Well, those aren't the discussions that you want to have as a Christian those aren't going to be profitable, right? Mm -hmm. The discussion that we want to have as a Christian is, is this right? And what is the basis for determining if this is right? If somebody wants to have that discussion, right, that's a discussion a Christian should enter into because it's going to be profitable. If somebody wants to have a discussion about what law should be passed and what rights I should have under the Constitution, I would actually tell a Christian back out of that conversation. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's going to come of that conversation is strife. Because you're not going to disagree on, or you're not going to agree on, some point of law that's been created by men, and you're going to close a door for a person who could have otherwise listened to what you had to say on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. So that would be my recommendation. is I mean, specifically about right homosexuality. People who want to have conversations do not have a political conversation about homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Period. Don't do it. Right. And, and you will at least stand out to that person as saying, okay, they don't want to talk about law. They don't want to talk about the flag. They don't want to talk about politics and people running for, for seats. They will only have a conversation about this topic based on Scripture.
8: Mm-hmm.
6: Now I know when I want to have that conversation, who I can talk to. Yeah, And that doesn't just apply to homosexuality, right? It applies, it applies to anything. Else. Immigration, right? I don't want to talk about the laws of the United States. You want to talk about immigration, we're not going to talk about law. We'll talk about immigration based on scripture. Mm-hmm. We'll, some people will say, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Well, then good, right? You've just called that out of your life. Right? I, I would say that's, for any politically charged topics,
2: I would say that's where you start.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: That's a good point. Um, <clears throat> as, as we probably wrap, need to be wrapping up here, this, just a few things to think about. Um, like this is not, and like Blake said before we started, these are not the answers to everything. Uh, but but hopefully it starts some <coughs> conversations you know, with you and your heart, conversations with you and God and your prayers, conversations with one another um, re- remember who you are you are a citizen of the kingdom, and as a citizen of the kingdom, like that that will o- like the fact that you are from that kingdom that needs to inform the way that you live it needs to inform the conversations that you have it needs to inform the way that you view people um, so, so as a citizen of the kingdom how do you view other people, whether they're your family, your friends, or foreigners? Um, you view them as someone who needs to be a citizen of your kingdom. You you view you you show mercy to them because God has shown you mercy, regardless of what differences you may have. Um, you don't show partiality because God doesn't show partiality. You want the same thing for every person, regardless of where they're from or what they're dealing with. And 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 we have to seek to pursue peace together. And I think. Like a lot of these things, again, these aren't easy things to talk about. They aren't fun things to talk about. Oh, maybe some people. Uh, but these are generally heavy things, you know, because they're personal things. They're, they're, they're things that, that touch on people's emotions. Um, but remember the unity that God offers us through the cross. And, and remember that at the end of the day, what people want is they want a place where they can be accepted. They want, like, that's why... We have all these different groups for like they they want a place of acceptance and belonging. Uh, people need to see that God offers that, and He He offers that to them as well. So,
0: and, and I was just going to say that um, we didn't get to a couple of specific things, but I mean like we got we got pretty specific. I really appreciate that. Um, but like when you when you look at Romans five, like how Christians were at one point. We have all been enemies to God, mm-hmm. like against God, And whatever way we want to say that. Like I mean, we have been. And then you look at like First Peter, where Christians are also described as being at one point like, like almost oh, like at one point we were this, but also we still are this: exiles and like sojourners, things like that. Um, I think we all need to see our see like what has God done for us and what what has He taken us from. Can I be mean, part of the thing that that Bill was just talking about and and the reason God did that uh, goes kind of along with what uh, Richard and Bill were just talking about. It, it was for his own good, and it was for his own kingdom. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be citizen kingdoms, um, then what well, we need to—kingdom citizens. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you all—someone didn't notice us. Uh, if we're going to be kingdom citizens, then what we need to understand is that we need to reflect God in that that that's how we see people and that's how we treat people that's how we value people no matter where you're from no matter what you've done been through whatever like i want what's best for you because that's what god has done now that doesn't mean i overlook everything what that means though is that i show you mercy and i show you compassion and love to the degree that god does um, in the hope that it will also be for his good pleasure and for his kingdom Um, and in that way like we, we truly are trying to not just bring people to be like us. We're trying to bring people to Christ and bring them to the cross. Um, so that affects how we that, that affects my views on politics, but it's not a political discussion. It's a religious, it's a spiritual discussion. Right? right? So that's how we see people. And if at some point we struggle with like, well, I don't know if I value that person the same way because of X, Y, Z. Well, just you got to stop right there. Like you're not valuing them the way God values them. Though. Right. Um so anyway, that should, that should that's, that's convicting for me, and I hope that it will be convicting for all of us. So I really appreciate the the good discussion and uh, the comments and questions for sure. So um, I think we'll try to do this uh, more than just once a year, probably. Um, maybe not this specific topic or anything like that, but um, just the more that we can talk with each other, not just in the church, but I mean we try to invite <coughs> people that that we know that might be interested in this. Um, it, it's really helpful, and we, we're able to get pretty real and open about some things, so that's great. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll have a prayer, and then that'll be it. And uh, we, can, we have the room the rest of the day, uh, but I don't plan on staying the rest of the day. So, um, you know, and if you're wanting to hang out or go, you know, eat somewhere downtown or something, and you have questions about where you need to go, you can ask someone that's, you know, used to being down here, you can ask me, ask Richard. Or someone like that. Um, we know some places and stuff like that. So, really appreciate everyone. It's been really helpful. So, um, Bill, you want to go ahead and close out your prayer.
2: Our good Father, Lord, we thank you um, that we're able to call you a good father, and that we're able to realize that although we have differences, although we have um, different cultural norms, we have different skin complexions, we speak different languages, we we come from different places. That in you, because of our older brother Jesus Christ, we're able to be family. And you're able to be our father. And God, help us view ourselves more in that way. Help us view ourselves more in that light, in the light of the goodness that you've shown us, in the light of the love that you've shown us, the mercy that you've shown us, and the standard that you hold us to. God, help us view other people uh, the way that you view other people. Help us view other people the way that you view us um, as souls in need of redemption. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. We pray that you you, you bless us as we seek to continue this narrative and this conversation with people, as we seek to talk to people about your goodness and and, and the unity that they can have in you. God, bless us. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.